Okay, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> the reading this morning is Luke <clears throat> chapter 2 and it's verses 10 to 14. And I'm a bit croaky, I apologize. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a manger, oh sorry, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. Amen. So then, youth cell people, okay, Charlotte and James and Watto, who else is youth cell? We have a quiz here going on at the beginning of the sermon, what bits are mine and what bits are Jadon John's, okay, because part, as I said earlier on in the service, um, part, and Rachel, there we go, part of what I'm sharing this morning is from J. John. And it's a, a fantastic, in a sense, don't reinvent the wheel in the sense that what he did was he had several reflections on the Christmas story and I've nicked some of them and we shared that um, DVD at Youth Cell on Friday. So just listen and see what is actually from J. John, what's from me, and also probably what is from God, although that's even more difficult perhaps sometimes to discern. Tidings of comfort and joy. Do you know, one of the tidings of comfort and joy this morning was actually the fact that that song is not in any hymn book that we have. And it took Mike to bring some music, and in fact, in the end, it took Derek to play it from memory, which is fantastic. So thank you very much, Derek, for leading us in singing of that hymn. That you, have you never played it before, Derek, or is it just very rarely played it before? Never. I'm just, I think a round of applause is deserved. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a great tiding of comfort and joy to all of us that Derek has got a mega brain and can do that and has this gift of actually playing from by ear, which is tremendous. Thank you very much. So what, apart from that tiding of comfort and joy, what does it mean to actually have joy? Part of the joy of the Christmas celebration is the fact that it is a birthday celebration, okay? A birthday celebration. Jesus... We're celebrating his birthday at Christmas. And no one celebrates the birthday of somebody who's dead. They don't, do they? It's a rather kind of sad occasion, isn't it? Because it's poignant and we remember with sadness. It's certainly not a celebration of, yes, yes, it's tremendous. So when we celebrate Christmas... We as Christians are saying, not only do we remember Jesus, but Jesus is actually alive because we're celebrating his birthday. He is still alive. And I think that's one of the joys of Christmas is to know that he is still alive, that he rose from the dead and he is ascended and he's at the side of the hand, at the side of the Father God in heaven. I'd like you for a moment to imagine it's your birthday. The doorbell rings. Outside are your friends and family. You've invited them to a party. It's your birthday, they shout. Yes, it's my birthday, you say. Come on in. They sit down. It's your birthday. Yes, I think we've established that. Then they get the presents out and they give them to one another. But it's my birthday. Does that sound familiar? 
Another one of the joys of Christmas is that we celebrate Jesus' birthday and we are the ones that actually receive the gifts. Part of the joy of the Christmas celebration is actually receiving and and getting and giving gifts to others and to receive them ourselves. Some say, however, and get things all out of proportion, they say that Christmas is about giving Christmas presents. It's all about that, but it's not all about that. That's just part of the Christmas celebration, part of the Christmas joy. And and one of the main reasons why we give Christmas presents is partly because of illustrative of Jesus being the gift of God, but also is because of those wise men who eventually turned up. And when they did, they did bring presents. They were very well-documented gifts that they gave. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, we all know it, don't we? The gifts that they gave. Rather strange gifts, but we'll come on to that later. This is a J. John bit. Okay, I'm going to warn you for this, but I think it's tremendous. He said, have you ever wondered how it would have been different if it had been the wise women who turned up at the stable? First they would have asked directions and arrived on time. Second, they would have brought a casserole. Thirdly, they would have cleaned up the stable, they would have helped with the delivery, and they would have given more practical presents. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. These were called wise men, but it wasn't because of their common sense or their intellectual capabilities. God gave them the wisdom to understand something of the real deep significance of Jesus' birth. So when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Okay, it does fit in with the theme of joy. They were overjoyed. And when they saw Jesus, they bowed down and worshipped him. And when they chose presents, even though they did take their time, the presents were god inspired. Gold. We all know, probably have heard parts of this sermon many times before, but gold symbolized kingship. Jesus was to be, as they gave the the presents, they illustrated that Jesus was to be king of kings and lord of lords. Gold was a symbol of that, and then bowing down was an acknowledgement that they wanted him to be king of their lives. Frankincense, symbolized Jesus' priestly role. He was not only king, but he was also to be priest. He'd come to help us reconnect with his Father God, to re-establish communication between God and his people. That was his priestly role. And frankincense, the incense that the priest would have used, was symbolic of that. These were deeply meaningful gifts. Myrrh, then, the final of them, was, as we probably know, foretelling Jesus' death for us because people embalmed dead people in myrrh. Bit of a strange gift to give a baby unless you actually had that godly insight. Jesus had, they were showing in that gift, come to the world to die for us, to give his life for us so we can live. These gifts, then, given by the geographically challenged wise men, pointed towards the greatest gift on display that day, the gift of Jesus. So, in a sense, Christmas is all about gifts, but not superficially, but deeply, meaningfully.
At Christmas, we're often given presents we don't really need. Some of which we want, which is lovely, but many of them we don't really need. In Jesus, however, God gives us a gift we can't really do without. And we need that gift because there are so many problems in the world today. And at the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. Our heart condition is sin. And for that sin, we need forgiveness. God knew our need. He knew that Jesus was the only gift that we could actually really have and need to make things right. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That was a prophecy. That was a prophecy before Jesus came. That was a prophecy about the kind of thing that Jesus would do in his coming. The kind of thing that because of his death, because of his resurrection, because of his spirit, we could be changed and transformed from the inside out. God knows the gift that we actually need. If we needed information, he would have given us an educator. If we'd have needed money, he would have given us an economist. If we'd have needed pleasure, he would have given us an entertainer. But God knows our deepest need. Our deepest need is to have back the joy that we've been robbed of through sin. Have back the joy that we can have if we really know and feel and are forgiven. We need forgiveness. So the gift that Jesus gave us and gives us is a saviour. Jesus, our saviour, has so many, you could spend millions of sermons on on how Jesus is our saviour. But Jesus, our saviour, what does he do for us? You know, when you get given a gift, what's this for? (laughs) How does it work? I mean, some of these were already beginning to work, weren't they? Because the batteries were still in them. Well done, batteries on Christmas Day. But but how does this gift of saviour, how does this gift actually really work in our lives? Jesus, as saviour, liberates us from our sin. He cuts us free from the bad stuff in the past and gives us deep inner healing and forgiveness. Jesus came and comes to renew our faith or to give us faith if we have no faith in the beginning. Jesus comes to release our fears, to cut off from the anxieties and the concerns and the things that actually are, are inhibiting our real life. Jesus came and comes to rebuild our broken lives. I'd like you to reflect just for a moment. And after I've asked you what to reflect on, maybe God's saying something else to you, but just I suggest that you reflect on this thought for a moment. And then in a moment when Adam's got up there, then we'll lead into singing. But I'd like you to reflect on this thought. What is robbing you of your joy this Christmas? What is the gift you really need? When the wrapping is all off the gift, when it's just you and Jesus, what are you asking him for? Maybe it's that depth of forgiveness. Maybe it's to receive faith or to renew faith. 
Maybe it's to take away fear. Or maybe it's to invite him to rebuild your broken life. Maybe it's something else. Let's just be quiet and listen to him.